Thank you for tuning in. We trust that you will be blessed and refreshed as you hear this message. Even as I approached this subject this morning, I hope you were blessed last week. We're looking at this significant characteristic of Jesus being the lion and the lamb seated on the throne. Last Sunday, we focused more on Jesus, the lion of Judah, who represents us as the Lord of hosts fighting our battles. This Sunday, we're looking at Jesus, the Lamb of God. Now, Jesus, as our Lamb, identifies with our suffering and our sorrow. So you look at the, the, the balance between the lion and the Lamb. The lion fights for us. The Lamb identifies with us. Now, in the Old Testament, a lamb was used to be sacrificed as an offering for the people's sin. And that lamb was called the sacrificial lamb. Now, why did they sacrifice a lamb? In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A wage is a payment render for something we have done. Sin has a wage, and the wage is death, or the penalty is death. But God in his mercy chose to allow us to offer a lamb in the place of our lives so that we can live and we can be free from the wage of our sin. And that's why the sacrificial lamb in the Old Testament was significant. Because instead of the individual dying and paying for their sin, the lamb took the consequences and faced the penalty of death. Now, when we come to the New Testament, John sees Jesus and he says this in John chapter 1 verse 29. Behold, look, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, why did John say this? Why did John look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you are the Lamb of God? Now, John the Baptist was very familiar with the Old Testament practice where people will come and bring a lamb as a sacrifice for their sin. But at that moment, John the Baptist prophesied saying, Jesus is now going to be the lamb that God has sent, and God sent Jesus so that he will be the sacrifice that will take away the sin of the world. In the Old Testament, every individual had to bring a lamb for their own sin. But now in the New Testament, God has provided one lamb to take away all our sin. Now, in the Old Testament, the people could not just pick any lamb as the sacrificial lamb, but it had to, they had to find a lamb that fulfilled the requirement to be an adequate sacrifice. Now, these qualities or these qualifications of the lamb is recorded in Exodus chapter 12, verse 5. It says the lamb must be without blemish, a male of the first year. 
Now, when the Bible talks about a lamb, it's talking about a lamb which is young, not a sheep. And also, specifically, the lamb was to, was to be a young uh, sheep, or you understand what a lamb is. It had to be without blemish, no defect, no uh, blemish in the lamb. And it had to be the male of the first year. Now, when we look at Jesus, he fulfilled all of those requirements. He was young at the age of 33. He gave himself as a sacrifice. He was crucified on the cross. He was without blemish. He was sinless. And I'm not getting into the scriptures of that. You can do your own study. He was sinless. And he was also the male of the firstborn among his brethren. So every time we break bread, it's important for us to recognize Jesus is our lamb who took our consequences, took our punishment, paid our wages so that we can live in freedom, live in the blessing, the forgiveness, and the mercy of God. Now today I want to highlight, and I want you to pay specific attention to what I'm going to say in this remaining part of my message. Here's the crux of the message. I'm drawing a parallel between Jesus, the Lamb of God, and Jesus, the Lion of Judah. Why is this important? It is important because Jesus, as the Lamb of God, reminds us constantly of his humanity and his humility. But when we look at Jesus as the Lion, he reminds us of his divinity, his majesty, and his power. And we need to have a revelation of the two aspects of Jesus, his humanity and humility, his divinity, and his majesty. In his humanity, Jesus identified with our griefs and our sorrows and our sickness. Come with me to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. The Bible says, Jesus was despised. That was an emotional state that Jesus went through. He was despised. He was looked down upon. He was rejected and forsaken by men. I'm sure all of us at some stage in our life can identify with that emotion where somebody despised you, where you felt rejected, and you feel forsaken, and probably forsaken by God. A man of sorrows, Jesus was known as a man. Another translation says he was acquainted, he was familiar with sorrows. And I want you to know it's true. Jesus identifies with our pain and our emotional struggles that we go through. And, and acquainted with grief and sickness. So grief, how many people have lost their loved ones during this pandemic? And I'm sure... Almost everyone you know will probably have lost somebody in their family during this time. It's a time where the nation is grieving. It's a time where so much of sorrow is in the atmosphere. And sometimes as we look at the news, you feel the impact. You can actually feel the sorrow and the grief that our nation is going through. And here is Jesus saying he was acquainted with our sorrows and our grief. And I want you to know that Jesus understands you and understands what you're going through in your moments of grief. He was, he was acquainted with our sickness. What is that sickness? COVID at this time? 
Is it arthritis? Is it heart condition? What is that sickness? He's acquainted. He took that on the cross. He's familiar with what it is to be sick. He was like one who men hid their faces. He was despised. We did not appreciate his worth, nor have any esteem for him. And so Jesus, in his humanity, understood what mankind goes through. He understands what poverty is. He understands what ridiculous is. He understands what losses, what sicknesses. In all of that, we can look to him for comfort. Now, in his humility, Jesus offered himself. He identified with our sin. In his humility, he gives himself to be the sacrificial lamb so that we can be free from the consequences and the wage of our sin. And it takes humility to do something like that. In Isaiah 53, verse 7, the Bible says, Jesus was oppressed and he was afflicted. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Can you see the word lamb? He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He willingly gave himself to be that lamb for you, for me, and for the entire world. Now, Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8 says, Now it is an extraordinary thing for one to give his life even for an upright man. So what is the Bible saying? It's an extraordinary thing for one individual to give up his life for another. Though perhaps for a noble and lovable and generous benefactor, some might even dare to die. That means if the person is really significant, noble, and um, outstanding, probably you may have someone who's willing to die for the other. But look at what God says in his word. But God shows and clearly proves love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what is Jesus saying? Or what is the Bible saying? He says, you know, for a good man to give up his life for another good man, it's a rare thing, very rare thing. But here is Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, coming to earth in human form, gives up his life, for us as sinners who don't deserve it. When we acknowledge Jesus as our lamb, we are in a position to receive his mercy. But when we acknowledge Jesus as the lion of Judah who rose up from the grave, we become beneficiaries of his divine grace and majesty. I truly pray that you're getting a hold of this revelation. I pray that you will listen to this again and again till it settles in your heart because this message is not just another message. It will enhance your relationship with God and bring you to a place of being confident when you begin to pray. I want to remind you again, Jesus, the Lamb of God, 
helps us receive his mercy, Jesus, the Lion of Judah, who rose from the dead, provides us grace and access to his majesty. Now, here's a simple equation that I put together that will help us remember this truth. Please look at it on the screen and you can make note of it. When you look at Jesus, it must remind you Jesus' humanity plus humility equals mercy. That's the Lamb. So every time you sing about the Lamb of God is Jesus' humanity plus humility and you get mercy. Every time we sing or you read in the word about Jesus as the lion, it reminds us of Jesus' divinity and majesty that equals grace. The lamb positions us to receive mercy. Jesus, the lion, positions us to receive his grace. Now, I want you to look at this verse in Hebrews 4.16. We've probably read it a thousand times, probably, But here's something I want you to note as I read it. I'm reading from the NET translation. Therefore, let us confidently approach the throne of grace. Confidently means boldness, unashamed, not condemned. Come confidently to the throne of grace. And look at these two words, to receive mercy and find grace. I wish I could hear you say this in your homes. Receive mercy, find grace. If you're not repeating it, repeat it now. Receive mercy, find grace. You receive mercy, but you find grace. You understood those two words? Receive mercy, find grace whenever we need help. So if you're in a place where you need help, you need God's intervention, two things are required. You need to receive his mercy, and then you got to do something. You need to find grace. Isn't that interesting? Many of us know what it is to receive mercy, but not many of us know what it is to find grace at the time of our need. And that's why I say this message is relevant for this time. That's why I say this revelation positions you to come boldly to the throne of grace. So you can be recipients of both his mercy as well as his grace. I have put down three things that will help you, that will help us come boldly and confidently before his throne of grace so that we could receive mercy and find grace. So three things. The first one, his mercy pardons us, but his grace positions us before his throne. His mercy pardons us, forgives us, but his grace positions us. Now, mercy, the definition for mercy is not getting what we deserve. What did we deserve? A wage for our sin. What did we deserve? The consequences of our sin. Mercy says, you're not going to get what you deserve. That means Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, took that wage, took that penalty so that we don't get what we deserve, that is punishment. What is grace? Grace is getting what we deserve. What does that mean? Having received mercy, now we are in a place to find grace where we can receive from God his divine ability and his intervention in our moment of need. 
we find that grace in acknowledging his character and his majesty. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent. He is right there with you, even as you listen to this message. He is almighty God. He has the universe in his hand. And that positions us to find grace in knowing who he is. Now, let me give you a scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. But God, being rich in mercy, but God, but God saying that though we didn't deserve it, but God, being rich in his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in offenses, made us alive together with Christ. The mercy of God kept us alive. The mercy of God kept us away from punishment and living in the consequences of our sin. But that's not the end. It says, by the grace of God, you were saved. God not only made us alive together with Christ, he raised us up together with him and seated us together with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's what grace does. does. Grace gives us an ability to stand in his victory. Grace is God's unmerited favor, unmerited blessing for you and to me. In the grace of God, in the power of God, grace is the power of God unleashed upon our lives that brings life, that raises us up together with Christ. We have a position raised up together spiritually. We are united with Christ. Spiritually, we stand in the authority with Christ. Physically, you may be in your home, but spiritually, we have a position with Christ. We're together with him in the heavenly realms, in the midst of all darkness, in the midst of all the forces of darkness, Satan and his demons oppressing us. We have God's grace raising us up above the powers of darkness so that we can rule and live a victorious life. Come on, somebody shout an amen, even if it means you're doing it in your home. Why did God demonstrate his grace and his mercy towards us? Because he wanted the world to see the wealth of his grace and his kindness extended towards us in Christ Jesus. And that's what verse 7 is saying. So the first point to you this morning his mercy pardons you, his grace positions you to be seated with Christ. The second point is, God's mercy welcomes us into his presence, but his grace transforms us in his presence. That's the second point. His mercy welcomes us in his presence. That means every time you come to God, he he, he doesn't reject us. He doesn't condemn us, but he welcomes us. That's what mercy does. Mercy stretches his, his hands out to you and me. Even though we don't deserve his kindness, his love, mercy says, come on in, because he's merciful. Mercy welcomes us. His grace transforms us. Like I said, his grace has the ability to transform and to change our lives. Let me give you a scripture. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. Nevertheless, when one person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil is a spiritual blindness. You're hearing truth, but you can't perceive it. You read the word, but you don't understand it because there's a veil. And if that's your situation, ask the Lord, Lord, take away this blindness. Take away this veil that help, so that I can see what you were trying to say to me. It says, so when anyone turns to the Lord, accepts the Lord, seeks God, that veil will be taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, why do we talk about the Lordship of Jesus every time in this church? Because the Lordship of Jesus brings us freedom. And if you want to live a free life, a liberated life, a victorious life, all we got to do is live under the Lordship of Jesus in every aspect of our life. The Lordship of Jesus liberates us. And this is wherever the Spirit is Lord, whichever area we allow Him to be the Lord over in our lives, it will bring freedom. But we all with unveiled faces, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, the character of God. We look at him and we behold his character. We worship him. We acknowledge him. What happens when we do that? We are being transformed. There is constant transformation happening on the inside of us as we look to him and worship him and say, Oh God, majesty. Oh, your majesty. We look at him and we think of his vastness of who he is and what he is. All the characteristics of God is unending and unlimited. And we look at God, something happens. The Holy Spirit in us transforms us from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So our transformation is not a one-time thing. Our transformation is a continuous thing. And I hope you're getting better every week. Better every day because of the transforming work of God's grace in your life. We are one people that must be always in the process of change in the process of being renewed, in the process of being transformed. That's what the Christian life is. The third point, his mercy humbles us, but his grace exalts us. His mercy humbles us, but his grace exalts us. You know, the mercy of God has caught my attention, and I remember the Times when I wake up in the morning and I, rem- and I remind myself how grateful I am to the mercy of God. None of us have, can ever live the righteous life that God has called us to live. We can't live the holiness the way God wants us to live. We fall short in our thinking. We fall short in our actions of loving and forgiving and being merciful. We fall short in our believing And because we fall short, which is the definition of sin, falling short of his glory, we are always in a need of mercy. You know, I couldn't understand this verse in Lamentation where the Bible says his mercies are renewed every morning. 
and I remember some years ago, I used to think, why is God's mercy renewed every morning towards me? I mean, not, what did I do? Why, why every morning? And then I understood many years later, we need his mercies to be renewed every morning because every day we sin. Every day we fall short in some way or the other. And that's why the mercy of God. We come boldly. And I'm sure you've not lived a squeaky clean life. And I'm sure you have things that you've indulged in or you've been prone to. But the mercy of God welcomes you before his throne. But remember, it's not just his mercy that welcomes us. His grace is there to transform you. But we live in the sense of humility knowing that I have no uh, right to demand anything from God. Now, that's my, my, my belief. I have no right. And I guess you too don't have a right to demand anything from God. We have the right to come to his presence with boldness to receive mercy and say, God, I don't deserve this, this miracle. I don't deserve being protected. I don't deserve it. But your mercy makes your grace available to me. In his mercy, we find grace. You know, that's why in passing I said this last Sunday, for us, from our point of view, we must first know Jesus as our lamb before we know him as a lion. If we're going to live the victorious life, we must know both the mercy of God as well as the grace of God. The mercy refers to us, the lamb and the grace refers to him as the lion. Look at what the Bible says. In James chapter 4, verse 6, the second part of that verse, God resists the proud. People who think, wow, you know, God will answer my prayer because of who I am. I read my Bible, I prayed, I've given to the church, I've helped people. Wow, God must bless me. Oh, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. Please don't go down that road. We would never be able to stand justified in our own works, in our own attitudes, and in our own righteousness. Our righteousness are nothing but filthy rags in his sight. And that's why we need the mercy of God. But what does the Bible say? He resists the proud, the independent, those that are confident in themselves, but he gives grace grace. He helps. His divine ability reaches out to those who are humble. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, humble yourself in the sight of God. Now, that's an instruction. God wants us to take the responsibility to humble ourselves in his sight. God, I need you. You know, <clears throat> that hymn that says, I need thee every hour, I need thee. Oh, Lord, I need thee. You know, such a uh, truth. It's something that we need to keep singing, how we need thee every hour. When we humble ourselves in the sight, that's our part, our responsibility. God's responsibility, he will lift you up. We all owe a debt before God. He canceled it so that he could lift us up. Like a lamb, Jesus embraced the cross. But like a lion, 
He rose triumphantly as a conquering king. As a lamb, he died in humility. But as a lion, he rose as the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And because of his humility, God said in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9, God also highly exalted Jesus and gave him the name which is above every name. Psalm 60, 12 says, through God we will do valiantly. That means through God we will have the determination and the courage that we need through God. For it is he who shall tread down the enemies. We humble ourselves We show courage in the midst of opposition, but he will tread down the enemy. On one hand, we receive his mercy and comfort. On the other hand, we receive his defiance. We find grace and we find victory in God. I have a last verse for you. This is Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. The Bible says the wicked flee when no one pursues them. Wicked flee when no one is chasing after them. But the righteous are bold as a lion. You are righteous in the righteousness of God. And the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. I wish you could look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a lion from today. I'm not just a sheep. I'm a lion. And you begin to have that picture in your mind. Because Jesus is the Lion of Judah. We have his identity. And the Bible says the righteous are as a lion. It's not a time for us to give in to fear and panic in this pandemic. And I know that as you watch the news, even as I watch the news, I don't think I will forget the picture and the images that I've seen on the television. But I want you to know, it doesn't get to my heart and it shouldn't get to your heart. Fear is something that you must deal with. And the Bible is saying that in this time, we must rise up to be as bold as a lion only because of one reason, God is with you. I remember quoting the scripture last week about David. He grew greater and greater because he knew that God, the Lord of hosts, was with him. And we must grow in our confidence in God, recognizing that we are bold as a lion. A lion is fearless, and with God, we can be bold as a lion. And I trust that the combination of last week and this week will position you to a place of coming boldly to the throne of grace, so that you can receive mercy and find grace. Those of you who are not joined in the chain prayer, please get in touch with your cell group leader. Be part of that chain prayer. This week specifically, we are praying for all those who are grieving, those who have lost their loved ones, their family members. We are specifically praying that God will touch people's lives, that they will know Christ is their comforter in this crisis, that they will know Jesus as their savior in this whole turmoil. 
And so please join us in this time of prayer during the week. It's just half an hour. One day you give yourself to prayer. But throughout the week, one group and the, or the other group is praying and backing you in prayer. May God bless you. May you live an overcoming life this week. Remember, huh? you are a lion because you're righteous in God. God bless you and you have a great week. Come, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. We are recipients of your wonderful, wonderful mercy. We are what we are. We stand because of your mercy. We are blessed because you've been merciful towards us. And we will always be grateful for the unending mercy we receive every day over our lives. Not allowing anything to condemn, our, uh, condemn us because we find we receive grace from you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that those who are in a place of sickness, those who are in a place of fear, those who are struggling in their relationship, I pray that you will find grace. They will find grace. They will know that you are a God of comfort. You're a God that heals. And I pray in this season, let there be miracles, 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 miracles of your divine intervention. I want to thank you, Lord, for the number of people that we know have come out of COVID, come out of hospital victoriously. We give you thanks for that. And we pray, Lord, that even this week, people who are struggling will come out victoriously because you are fighting for them and we trust you for that, Lord. I pray that you'll continue to keep us safe, keep us blessed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you've been blessed by this message, please pass it on to your friends. Encourage somebody with this message so that they can find their comfort in God. God bless you. Have a great week. Tune in for a new message next week. To know more, visit us at www.adonichurch.in.